We start with the seventh chapter with Patek Zion. And this is a continuation of Patek Vav. And there's a certain concept that when becomes clear, there's a very important takeaway from the underlying theme of Patek Vav and Patek Zion. First of all, we know that there's one God and there's one Torah. Nevertheless, we have many statements in our, from our sages. You know, why does the Torah begin with Bayes? Because it's, 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 this is a second Torah. There's different Torahs. Or to use different words, every world has its own Torah. It's the same Neshama, but it's applied according to its world. So there's the, the Torah of the world of Atzilos, and there's the Torah of the world of Bria. They're different Torahs. Or the same Torah as it's learned here, and as it's learned differently over there. Now one of the fundamental differences between, let's call this, the Torah of the heavens, Torah Shemaim and Torah Sa'aretz, is in the themes that we are learning here. Daltadeb explained in Patek Vav that it's correct to categorize everything that's created only into two categories. And they are called Kedusha versus Sitra Achra. It's either Kedusha or Sitra Achra. It's a very black and white way of defining things. What is Kedusha, says the Rebbe? That anything or end, everyone that is bottled to Hashem, by number one, acknowledging, not only in the mind, but in the heart, that we have a creator that's constantly creating us. And that knowledge and that understanding and that feeling of the heart will automatically make us feel bottled to, to our source. Because we don't exist without our source. That frame of mind and of heart is what defines something as being holy. Now, if there is a thing or a being that doesn't have that sense of bittel to the emes, to our source, automatically this is called sitra achra, the other side. It's, very, it's either holy or it's the opposite. However, when it comes to this world, in the physical world, there aren't two categories, this is very important, but there are three categories. In, in the physical phenomena, it's not holy or the opposite. There is what we call holy, Kedusha. Then we have what we will call something which is prohibited. So let's go mitzvah, right? Mitzvah is Kedusha. You have something which is Asur. And then there is an in-between phase called Rishus. Something, it's not a mitzvah, but it's not prohibited. It's something that Rishus, Divrei Rishus, actually most of this world and most of our activities, hopefully, have fallen into the category of Rishus. That which God demands of us to do, that's a mitzvah. That which God prohibits for us to do, that's prohibited. But there's our lives, most of what we do is in the area of, it's not a mitzvah, it's not a sin, it's permissible. However, however like this, that the Altarebbe begins to explain that what we have, the words that we are using are the words of klipa, that godliness and the spark of godliness that's creating whatever it is that it's creating, if the item acknowledges its source, that's a mitzvah and that's kedusha. Because when we do a mitzvah, the spark of godliness in the tefillin 
becomes revealed. It's being used for what God wants it to be used for. But then you can have a phenomena where the spark of godliness is so hidden in the shell, in the gashmi, it's so trapped in there that you can never free it. It's stuck in there. Meaning, even if you're going to eat a piece of food, and you're going to use the kayak of the food to serve God, you will not be elevating the spark of godliness. Which is why that food is always prohibited to be eaten. And as the Altareb explains that the word asur doesn't only mean prohibited, the word asur means in jail. Right? Base asurim. That godliness is trapped to the point that we cannot free it by using it for, for godliness. And we also call that shalosh klipois hatameis. Now you have something that's called in, 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 the, in the verbiage of Chazal, something that's mutar. Asr and mutar. Isr vehetar. What's mutar? Mutar means permitted, but mutar also means free. When a person becomes freed from an entrapment, the person is mutared. So there is a spark of godliness. The spark of godliness is trapped, which is why it's not a mitzvah. Godliness is not yet revealed, but we have the ability to redeem it, to free it. How do we free it? By engaging in that activity. But doing it according to, conforming to the rules of the Torah. So here, that spark of godliness will become mutared. Now here's the question, and I want you to notice this. If you ask a person who doesn't learn Hasidus, their premise, the premise of many halachic authorities is that if God did not say it's prohibited, it's good. Which is why many people can be very lenient in many cases. It's not, it's not asr. When you start learning Hasidus, and that's Torah's Oretz, the emesis, that's the truth. If something is not asr, it's mutter. Mutter doesn't mean it's a mitzvah, but it's mutter. You can't say don't do it because it's not an is. The, the Torah of the heaven, when it defines this world, that in this world you have, a, you, have, you have kedusha, you have mitzvahs, and you have, instead of it saying, instead of having yisudim, you have things that are three, the three unpure klipas, and then you have in this world a lot of activity that's connected to klipas noiga. Klipas noiga means that it's translucent, that it has a shell, that you can, with effort, see through it. With effort, you can redeem it. But if you don't make the effort, it's also not good. Thus, many, many paiskim, chasidah rav, will be more stringent. You can ask him a question, can you do this or not? He's not going to say by default, well, show me the iser. He's going to ask you, show me the heter. In other words, even if, even if halachically it's permissible, but even that, if it's not a mitzvah, it's already klipa. If it's already klipa, you have to be careful. Now, Interestingly, what will release the spark of godliness, even in Dvarim, Hamutarim, it's not by doing whatever it is you're doing. Let's speak about food. There's food that is Asr, Treif, and then there's food that is Kasher. Just, be just because food is Kasher, it doesn't mean that it's not Klipa. On Shabbos, food is not Klipa. Because on Shabbos, it's a mitzvah to eat. But during the week, all food, even though it's Mutar, it's klipa. Now, what is needed to free the spark and to allow the godliness to come out? How do you transform it into something of kedusha? That is done specifically not with your actions, but with your kavana. So kavana, and the kavana here will be, not only do you make a bracha before and a bracha afterwards, but the kavana, your, your intent, why am I eating? 
And this has to do with the general approach to life. Why am I living? I'm not living in order to be able to eat and to drink and to enjoy. That's not why I'm living. I'm living in order to serve God. And in order to serve God, in order to do what God wants, which is I'm living to keep the mitzvahs. To keep the mitzvahs, I have to eat. So that's my general mindset. So I'm eating and drinking to have life, to be able to do mitzvahs even better. With that kavana is going to elevate the spark of holiness and it's no longer going to be trapped in klipas noiga. Then an activity of Rishus will become elevated to an activity of Kedush. And that is the highest level of Kedush according to Hasidus. So when it says in the Torah, for example, that when you have fruits that grow in Israel, and according to the Rambam, Midorais in Israel, according to others, Midorais in the whole world, that for the first three years it's called Arla, just like physically a foreskin conceals the, the letter Yud, in the words of Kabbalah, it conceals godliness, so the fruit, the godliness in the fruit is completely trapped that you can't even elevate it. And there's nothing you can do with it. Then on the fourth year, the concealment becomes weakened, and you have to bring it to Yerushalayim and eat it over there. And if you eat it in Yerushalayim, you're doing a mitzvah. And then on the fifth year, Hasidah says, you have the highest level of Kedusha, the highest level of Kedusha, which is that when we take something that's Rishus, and there's no mitzvah involved, and we nevertheless eat it in order to have koyach, to serve God, this is the ultimate kavana. Then we're taking something that previously was entrapped, it's like a pidyan shavuim, and you are redeeming it, and you're elevating it, and that's the greatest avodah. But that the kavana of this engagement with the physical world is all in order to serve Hashem. That kol masecha yiu dafka l'shem shomayim. Now obviously if a person is going to have that kavana when they do things that are prohibited, even though your kavana is great, if Hashem says that this is in the category of isur, your kavana won't be able to free. There if a person in the past had done a mistake, tshuva has the power to do so. But that's a whole different topic. But we never tell a person to sin and to do tshuva to, to, re, to release the sparks of godliness. But this mindset is mamash gavaldik. And one of the great, great uh, benefits of learning Tanya is that, is that it elevates the person a little bit in this sense. We're not learning a halacha safe. But once a person, when you don't learn chasidis, all you see is, is it mutter or is it asr? Very simple. If it's mutter, it's mutter. And now we say no. We're saying that everything that's mutter is klipa. So if everything is mutras klipa, so therefore Hasidim have these statements that that which you cannot, you may not. And that which you may, you don't have to. And that, that keeps the person already a little bit cautious of uh, indulging in Olam Haza. And, and you see today that many people, it says you can be, you can be a, a gluten, you can be a, a glutton, you can engage in certain behaviors, all halachically kosher. And it's not a godly lifestyle. And many people who don't learn Hasidah say, why is it not a God of life? If God said you're allowed to do it, you're allowed to do it. The answer is, is because everything is Klippah. You, you are beginning with Klippah. Eloma, we have the power to elevate, and that is taka, the biggest avoider. To a certain degree, we can argue that elevating everything is, is, is as great as a mitzvah. Now, what it says in Pirkei Yava is that God created everything before Shabbos. Obviously, God rested on Shabbos. But after Adam was created, God created ten items. Bein why didn't God create those 10 things before God created Adam? When our sages teach us that God created Adam the way a person invites his fellow to a meal, that first the shulchan is aruch, first you set the table, if you're inviting guests, and everything is on the table, and then you invite the guest. So God created first everything, and then he created items, then he, then he created Adam. 
What about the 10 things that the Mishnah mentions that were created after Adam? Obviously, those are items that Adam doesn't need to do his, to do his mission before Mashiach comes. The last thing the Mishnah mentions is af tzfas b'tzfas asuya, which means tongues. There's another word for tongues, pliers. That pliers, the way you make pliers is by using pliers. Even though you could make pliers by putting, by putting liquid metal in a form. It's possible to make pliers that way. But the way you make pliers is by using pliers. So the question is, who made the first pliers? So God says in the Mishnah that aftsvas mitzvas asuy, that the first pliers God made over there in twilight. And what does that mean? Chasidus says Chasidus has a gavaldik insight that pliers is a is a symbol of something that is a means to an end. What is the end? The end are the mitzvahs. The ultimate goal of creation is for Yidden to keep mitzvahs. When it says that God was thinking whether He should create a world or not. The mean nimlach the nishmaisem shal tzadikim says chasidis. That means that God saw a Jew keeping a mitzvah, or any Jew. When God saw a Jew keeping a mitzvah, He says, "That's what I want." So the kavana is for us to keep the mitzvahs. But in order for us to keep the mitzvahs, God needed to create a gansavelt. In order for us to keep the mitzvahs, we have to have a life. We have to eat. We have to drink. We have to sleep. We have to engage in many divrei shus in order to have koyach to be healthy, to be well, to do a mitzvah. So before Mashiach, how do we view life? That the mitzvah is the goal, which is emes, and then the means to the end is not as important as it's only a means to an end. It's like a pliers. After Mashiach is going to come, we're going to appreciate that the means to the end is just as important as the end. In other words, the idea of kol is just as great as now that's not a mindset that we have right now. Right now we have to have it very clear that the ikir is the mitzvah, and taka to remember that. And everything else we have to habituate ourselves that even though it's mutter, mutter doesn't mean it's not klipa. Mutter is klipa. And Al-Tarebbe writes in today's period that if a person engages in dvarim hamutarim, but they do it just for self, then not only does it remain klipa snoiga, but they actually, they trap the spark of godliness even more. You bring it down to shalosh klipa satameis. But when a person engages in divrei haroshus with the caution to know that anything in this world is already clipper, and I have to have an avoid, I have to be mindful the whole time that everything that I'm doing, I'm doing in order for me to be able to keep mitzvahs. Once we get into that habit, then the advantage of engaging in divarim haroshus is is great because we are expanding the boundaries of kedusha. Then kedusha is not only limited to the tariag mitzvahs. Then kedusha basically takes over the whole world. That's a conquest of the world, which is which which is the ultimate goal. Now you have to be cautious. So the rule is is that when a person is younger, and especially when a person knows that in certain areas in my life, certain parts of the physical world is tempting me, and it's very possible that if I'll in, in, engage in them, I won't do it l'shem shomayim. So here is where we say, make a nether. Be careful, abstain. And when a person knows that, that engaging in that part of the world won't schlep you down, but you have the power to elevate it, then you dafka have to engage in it. And that's the way we reconcile a big stira. There's a contradiction. When you learn a nigla, on one hand, we find many times that making a vow is something prohibited. It's a chet. We learned that in Adonim and in Azur. If God, it's enough what God said, don't do. Don't, don't make new prohibitions. On the other hand, we have in Pirkei that Nedarim is a siyag. And, and when Pirkei speaks about making an edit, it's in a positive way. It's not a sinner. 
And Hasidah says it depends. And it normally has to do with age, that when a person is younger, and when this world it looks very tempting, then you have to remember that this world, even Dvarim Hamutarim, is Klipas Naiga. And if you won't engage with this world, with the knowledge that everything is only like a pliers, it's just a mean to an ends, then it's bad. Then you are degrading the godliness in it. But once a person feels it, every person has to know where they're standing, is that I will be able to engage in this world and I won't be, so to say, seduced by the full sort of the appearance of whatever the world is beautiful per se. But when a person gets older, then Adarabah, that is where Chazal say, and get involved in this world and use every part of the world that is not Asur, use that L'Shem Shemayim and elevate it. Let's say someone finds it very relaxing or invigorating to, let's say, go to a, let's say, a football game or yes. something like that. Very good. Is, it, is that considered, then it becomes uh, Kedusha? So if a person uses that relaxation in order to be more inspired, and uh, you go there with your kids, and, and, and you bond at the mitzvah, and you're short, or if a person... You hike in nature and you... Hike, oh, same thing. These are all the greatest shoes. Most of them are the greatest shoes. Most of them are people. I mean, so it's just about the, the mental focus of what you're doing, and then that turns it... Now, what happens if you have a younger person, I know sports, I know from Brazil, people become so far caught in sports, that sports is, is just as important as a mitzvah. It, it, it has to be a means to an end. And that's every, everyone, if, if it becomes the end, I'm living to go to the game, then it, that's season tickets. Then, it, then it's not so good. It's fine, but it's, it's about... What's, what's the main thing? What's, what's the ikr? What's the tool and what's the gear? What's the, what's the means and what's the end? And we have to educate our kids that the Divrei Arashus is okay as long as it's a means to an end. Tricky. Uh,